Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hi to all the good people of Freedom Church. It's great to be with you this morning as you gather online for church. My name is Alan Emerson. Um, I come from Northern Ireland. If the accent hasn't betrayed me already, um, I've been a friend of Sims um, for maybe 10 years or so now. And um, it's been great to pick up a bit of friendship and relationship with him again over the last few years. Um, a number of years ago, he uh, stayed in my house and uh, you'll be glad to hear he was on his best behaviour. Um, but it's really great to be um, with you. And uh, thank you, Sim, for inviting me. Uh, I come from a place called Lurgan, which is uh, about half an hour from Belfast and um, help lead a church there called Emmanuel. And that church has uh, grown over the last 25 years or so and uh, planted a number of other expressions. One of them is in a sister town called Portadown. And uh, I have been leading that church plant over the last three years there. And uh, then we've also developed a a kind of network of churches, uh, churches that we've planted uh, alongside churches that have adopted into us. Um, And that network of churches is called Tobar which is the Irish word for spring or well, um, because we really feel that God has given us a vision to see multiple churches planted throughout Ireland uh, and uh, the kind of ancient anointing that's in the soil of our land to see wells springing up in some of the most broken and desolate places um, to be new expressions of God's kingdom. Um, that's what we are committed to. And uh, and our church serves really as a hub for 24-7 prayer in Ireland. I've been um, caught up really in 24-7 prayer almost since it, not, not long after it first spilled over from England and uh, the rest of the UK into Northern Ireland. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be part of the lead, lead team there and uh, to... Uh, to be the National Director of 24-7 Prayer in Ireland. And um, we are seeing God do great things in the midst of challenging times. And we're also committed to seeing um, numerous communities and churches planted. And so it's um, a privilege of mine to be part of the wider 24-7 team internationally in terms of the different churches and communities that are connecting and joining us. And uh, it will be great to journey more and more with you guys in the days ahead. and so thank you for having me. Uh, I hope someday to be potentially there in person and to meet more of you. Um, but um, Sim uh, tells me and uh, communicates that great things are going on uh, amongst you. And uh, I trust that that is truly the case and God is continuing to move amongst you despite what we're living through. I want to start by just acknowledging that it has been a really interesting time, unique moment in our lifetime, a serious disrupting moment in many ways and, and very difficult for us and for many people in lots of different ways. And uh, we want to be thankful for the fact that in the midst of this difficult time that we've come to know that God is with us and God meets us. and. Um, not only does God meet us in our pain and in our difficulty and in our despair, but he also redeems that for his purposes. And uh, I guess it's just really important, isn't it, that we hold both of those intention together, that we hold tightly to, to both of them, that that we re- realize that God is, is a God that the scriptures show us doesn't invalidate our pain, 
sits with us in it, uh, uh, makes a home amongst our brokenness and our sadness and our grief and even our death. And, uh, and yet at the same point, doesn't ultimately leave us there, brings us into a broad space, brings us into a place of hope and a place of victory. Um, we've just lived through the Easter week over the last couple of weeks. And um, as we've remembered Easter just a few weeks ago and in the resurrection, we remember that Jesus knows what it's like to live through a time of forsakenness, to live through a time of despair, to, to live through a time of torment, to live through a time of death, to live through a time of waiting and questions and all of those things. And uh, and therefore he, he knows what we're experiencing. And, and yet also praise God that he, he, he also knows what it's like to conquer death, to come out of the grave, to um, to to live into this glorious hope and life that we have. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you in that today, that when we talk about um, all things working together for good to those that know God and are called according to his purposes in Romans chapter 8. It's not just a nice little thing that we write in the sympathy card. It, it's the truth. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's the hope of resurrection. It's the life that we can know now, eternal life, not just in heaven forever, but right now rushing into the present. And I guess it's from that place that I want to share some thoughts today that God is redeeming the the time that we've lived through and given us an opportunity um, to um, to re- reconfigure who we are as His people, to reposition ourselves as His body, and to be refined in our own hearts as we move forward. The culture all around us seems like even pre-COVID seems to be unraveling. In many ways, it feels like culture has exhausted itself. The philosophies and worldviews that have underpinned some of the decision-making and the trajectory of travel that it's been going on seem to be being exposed as really culture-eating itself now. And um, while many will disagree with that, uh, you know, I, th- I think anybody that's looking at it rationally would have to surmise that we're not quite sure how and where the world is going. It feels like the world that we live in, culture around us, needs a word outside of itself. And yet the challenge to us as the church is, and the challenge I think that we have an opportunity to address through this last year of living through lockdown and the forms of church being dismantled and much of what we've known and tried to do in the past has been uh, laid down. I I think we're having to realise and face up to the fact that all our best attempts haven't actually necessarily been working as well as we might have liked them to have been and maybe the, the way that we've been using our resources or the way that we've been relying on our own brilliance um, hasn't been as effective as what we'd like it to be. And of course there's been lots of good stuff that has been going on in, the, in, in, in our lives and in our churches and we don't want to throw that out. Of course we don't. We want to not um, be, re- be reactionary that way but it's un- undoubtedly a moment where we've been called to refine who we are as the people of God and to potentially be repositioned to become more effective in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And that's really what I want to get to this this morning with you. I want us to think about uh, how we are being aligned, uh, realigned as the body of Christ in our communities and in the world to be 
followers of Jesus that he's called us to be. And to do that, I want to read a really well-known scripture from Acts chapter 2 that gives us a bit of a plumb line, if you like, of what the early church were called to be and how they reacted to the words of Jesus to be his disciples uh, to all nations. You'll have heard these words potentially many times if you're a church goer, um, but allow them just to um, hit you afresh this morning. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come breathe on your word today. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a beautiful passage of scripture that every time we read, part of our hearts resonates with because we sense that we were born to be part of such a community. Um, It's important, of course, when we read scriptures like this and when we dive into the New Testament, while we should really be inspired that we don't overly idealize it or we don't romanticize it. They had lots of problems, lots of issues, lots of things to work through. We shouldn't also use it legalistically either to to kind of browbeat uh, others or ourselves into what we have to do and should do. But we should allow it to inspire us. This is the source material of the Jesus tradition, if you like. And there are patterns in it that are normative, I think, for the church throughout history. And what we see here are patterns that I think can help us to think through how we are being given an opportunity to really explore and go around the foundations of our faith once again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about the the day of the day coming where the fire uh, will expose what we've really been building and when the fire comes it says that it will test the quality of our work and um and i think we've been given an opportunity as we've sensed part of the refining fire of the lord over the last number of months to uh, really look and uh, be honest about the quality of our work and to go, as I say, around the foundations of our faith, to really plumb line ourselves around Jesus. He, as Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, is the chief cornerstone, and then the apostles and prophets help lay the foundations of the church. And I guess I th- I think that there's apostolic prophetic work, if I can use those uh, words, to be done at the moment around the foundations. Um, as I say with the, the, the kind of Sunday-centric nature to our churches um, being deconstructed over the last year or so. Uh, and with many of our forms and ministries and resources and the way that we have done things um, having to be dismantled, our platforms dismantled at this particular time. And it's been wonderful to see how God has used and we've been able to make use of the technology to still meet and gather and communicate the gospel and worship together and all of that's wonderful but there's no doubt an opportunity for us to 
reposition some stuff like potentially we've never had before. An opportunity, I think, for reform that we may not ever have had in our lifetime. And uh, while there's so much of gathering together that I personally, as a church leader, cannot wait to get back to, we have a strong, um, uh, you know, we have a strong priority on the gathered church and being together and worshiping together. Uh, that doesn't have to be a, a false dichotomy. We can look forward to that while at the same time ask those great questions about what can be reformed at the moment. And if we're going to ask that question, I think we're asking it not from the point of view of, oh, how can we do like cool church now? Or how can we, uh, you know, how can we, you know, have these conversations in consumeristic ways that just going to suit ourselves going forward? I, I don't mean it like that. Well, the conversation I think needs to be framed around this question. How can we be more, how can we be repositioned to become more effective in fulfilling the Great Commission? Let me say that again. How can, how can we, um, become more effective in fulfilling the Great Commission? That's why and how I think we're being repositioned. My uh, friend Adam Cox, who's one of the 24-7 leaders in America and leads um, the church, Nava Church in Kansas City. He has this great little phrase where he says, if the Great Commission is for everyone, then everyone should be able to do it. Let me say that again. If the Great Commission is for everyone, then everyone should be able to do it. And so hopefully these thoughts will provoke each and every one of you listening um, today, no matter how long you're a Christian or, or not, no matter how much you're in the leadership in the church or not. Well, this is something for us to think through corporately as the body of Christ in our local expressions. I also think it's something for us to really be challenged around individually. And ultimately, I think one of the first things that we have to come back to is the, the, the early church, as we read here in Acts chapter 2, if we were to read the first part of Acts chapter 2, we'd realize uh, that on that day of Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit came. And, and I think more than anything else, that we have an opportunity at the moment as the church in the Western world to become people wholeheartedly surrendered and dependent on the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, I know that many of us know this and maybe have preached this and have heard sermons about this before. But with, with everything else that we've done before, not being able to do that, having to kind of give up the things that we normally would have done or the ways that we would have done it, I think we have an opportunity to be wholehearted in our dependency on the Spirit, to become people who just simply open our hearts and lives, vessels to allow the Spirit of God to come and pour himself out upon us. At any revival in history, at any time in history, we see a move of God's Spirit. We see people fully yielded to the coming and the moving of the Holy Spirit. We see an an open-hearted posture of surrender, and uh, I really want to encourage you to think about in your own life and even as you gather in smaller groups or in bigger gatherings in the days ahead as restrictions open up, I just really want to encourage you to trust the leading of the Spirit, to leave room, to make space for the Spirit to come, for Him to lead you and guide you. If you were to unfold the book of Acts, you would see that not only in Acts chapter 2 did the Holy Spirit birth the church, but the Holy Spirit continues to guide the church, to interrupt the church, to orchestrate 
the unfolding of the Great Commission through the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is the, is the key character, really. The old preachers used to talk about how the Acts of the Apostles would have been better titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In some ways, that would be true because that's exactly what we read of. We see the Spirit moving and leading and guiding. And in the midst of all the opinion and all the loud noise that's out there on our social media feeds and on the news and just coming at it from, from lots of different directions and in all the conversations that will need to happen practically about how we go back to church and the ways that we go back to church and da-da-da, all that stuff's not unimportant but I feel like we need to be really exhorted at the moment as the body of Christ to listen to the still, small voice of the Spirit, who I believe is pulling us and taking us somewhere new. He's leading us somewhere new. He, the reforming moment that we have at the moment is because the Spirit wants to create new wineskins that the new wine can be poured into. Yeah, throughout the book of Acts, we, we, we see that the seminal moment in history, if you like, when the Holy Spirit comes and the church is birthed. That's a, a unique moment, of course. But it's not the only outpouring of the Spirit we read about in the book of Acts. It's, it's not the only Pentecost. We, we read of multiple other times, even th- through the book of Acts, where the Spirit falls and comes upon people. And each time the Spirit comes, it seems to open up a new wave of gospel expanse into a new missional frontier. The gospel moves into a new people group, into a new geographical area. And um, it's not just for believers to have a good meeting. It's to empower and catalyze the body of Christ to make known the message and the good news of the kingdom, that it's here, that it's accessible, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that he is creating room for sinners and broken people to come to forgiveness in him and to be restored to their original design. This is the message of the gospel. And when we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, this will happen. And let me just flesh this out in the last couple of moments. What, 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 what impact will it have if we become people wholeheartedly surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Which incidentally is the story of the people of God throughout the Old Testament. They haven't got time to do that, but, but they basically follow the cloud. They follow the presence. They gather around the presence. There's a prioritization on the presence of God right throughout the scripture. We sometimes in 24-7 call this the presence paradigm. And ultimately this comes to its fullest expression in Jesus, one who who was filled and anointed by the Spirit to do his ministry and then mirrored in the life of the church through the book of Acts. And so what what I want to encourage you to think about then is what impact will that have? And what we see in the early church is it had a twofold impact. We could say many more, but for for two, two main impacts, and sorry for these big words, but I think they're really helpful. It had a centrifugal effect on the church. Now, centrifugal means moving away from the center. And so when the Holy Spirit came, it thrust the early church out into the mission of God. It it thrust people out in partnership um, uh, with Jesus by his Spirit into the highways and the byways, into the streets, into um, places where they never even really wanted to go. The Spirit was 
thrusting them, almost pushing them beyond the boundaries of safety and comfort and me in my wee corner with the good news of Jesus pumping in their veins. And that's the mission of the church. And then while the, the early church were thrust out, sent refugally by the Spirit, they were also sent repeatedly being joined together as one new humanity. So centripetal is essentially the opposite of centrifugal, which is to move towards the center. And I guess what was happening was that as the early church went and on mission, as they were thrust out from the center, what they started to find was people were, the Spirit was joining them together in one new humanity. So male and female, um, Gentile and Jew, master and slave, black and white, Protestant and Catholic, rich and poor, the Spirit was joining people together in one new humanity as the family of God an expression of the Trinity itself on the earth, an extension of the Trinity, an overflowing of the Trinity, being expressed amongst image bearers of all different backgrounds as families located in geographical areas. And these families looked like an extension of who God is. And so the mission of God and the family of God actually dovetailed together in the life of the Spirit and as a people of prayer. And that's what I want you to think about because what happens is that we want to get back to church and we'll create our mission teams and then we'll have our pastoral care people and we'll compartmentalize and we'll silo things in the church like we do. And there's a degree to which we have to organize and do things and I get that. But what if we were just people of the Spirit that that were both centrifugally thrust out and running uh, parallel with that, corresponding with that, simultaneous to that, I should say, we're, we're being joined into one new humanity so that the family of God that's being joined deeply in love and in one-heartedness and one-mindedness, which is what we see in the early church, that in itself is an evangelist. That in itself is a prophetic declaration of the good news of Jesus and who he is. And so, I want to summarize this. I'm, I'm out of time. Sorry, I'm on a roll. I'm out of time. But I just want to summarize by saying, as a church, we are what I believe is a prayerful family on mission surrendered to the Holy Spirit. A prayerful family on mission surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so as you think about going back to church, as you think about creating new environments to gather, try and think of your environments in such a way that you can nurture that kind of culture, a prayerful family on mission surrendered to the Holy Spirit. How can you place and create intimate places of communion that are radically different to the way the world operates? How can you love one another in radical ways? How can you show ridiculous forms of generosity and hospitality to those who are currently outside in order to be a witness to the world? And why I like those two big words is they get away from us describing things in in, in, in forms and relate more to a, a kind of energy and an impulse and a life of the spirit. They're not static things. They're constantly centrifugal the dynamic and centripetal dynamic it's a it's an energy and the life of God that's constantly moving in us in order for us to fulfill the great commission and so I want to encourage you as you continue to think about your lives individually how, how are you allowing the life of the spirit 
to express itself in both those ways in your life. Start with your own heart, start with your own family and then as you do that, have those conversations together as a church and let's together see some exciting new wineskins created for the life of Jesus to be made known to a world that desperately needs it in these days. We've maybe never had a better opportunity to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus with a lost and broken humanity. And so the Lord bless you guys, bless you Sim and the leadership team uh, and all that you're doing and all you're pressing into, um, praying that much wisdom is released as you search the mind of God for his ways and purposes for you. May he establish your hearts and the work of your hands in these days. And the Lord bless you all. Bye-bye. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.